I am Pastor Gus, one of the associate pastors of Recovery House of Worship. Uh, Brooklyn, if you were here last week, I assume that um, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> you always need a bad guy, somebody to point your finger at, you know what I mean? So I start off by saying, why do you hurt me? If you love me, why do you hurt me? God says that to us all the time, doesn't he? When I was growing up, I was told that I hurt the heart of God. And I didn't even know that God had a heart. And he does. Growing up, there was an organization, Fresh Air Fund. Anybody that old around here? Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. I was afraid that nobody would catch that. And what they used to, I don't know if they still have it, what they used to do, the concept behind the Fresh Air Fund was that they would take uh, children from the urban city and expose them to this beautiful farm, suburban kind of living. Some family would take you in, um, normally of a Caucasian uh, persuasion, and they would take you into their homes for two weeks and expose you to the beautiful things of life. Now, I would leave those two weeks more frustrated than anything because I still had to come back to Bushwick. And at that time, Bushwick was not the greatest place, and I saw the disparity between this and that. But it was run by, I think, a Catholic organization because part of us going to this thing was confession. And uh, I understand it now, but I didn't understand it then, but I was supposed to go into this booth and say something, and there was a remedy that they gave you, which was if you say five this and three this and two this, you'll be okay. But I found myself that even with that ritual, that kind of tradition, coming out of that booth, my behaviors never changed. They just continued to spiral and get worse and worse and worse. And I understood that this priest was supposed to be this, this go-between, between, you know, bad people and God. <laughs> and, and I kind of felt awkward growing up because I didn't understand that. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about the greatest priest that ever lived. We're in a sermon series called Jesus the Reason. And of course, Christmas is around, and we're not even sure if Christ was born during December 25th. We're not going to play around with the dates. We're not going to say, don't give gifts, don't do that. But the greatest gift you could ever give anyone is eternal life. Because chances are that you're going to buy a gift that someone's going to look at and question it. They're going to question your love for them because it's under $20. They're going to say, you gave me a gift for $20. I gave you a gift for $50. So people start to compare gifts that they do. The greatest gift you can give someone is eternal life. And the only way to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And today we're going to learn, we're going to unpack the scriptures and see what it says about Jesus being the priest. Last week we learned about Jesus being the prophet. And the prophet hears from God and he speaks to the people. So he is this person that delivers a message to a people. And at that time, it was strange because the people didn't want to hear directly from God. They wanted someone to go speak to God so that God could speak to them. It was something dynamically, something really powerful about approaching God. In fact, some people say in the scriptures say that to look at God was to die. So they would say, you go and then come back and tell us what he said. The priest ministers to God on our behalf. So I want to go into the scripture. We can all stand up as we read God's word today. Amen? It's found in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 15. We're going to read out loud together at the count of three if everybody has it. If not, how many people know how to read? 
So if anybody's not reading, there's no lip syncing in this place. Okay? We're all reading. Okay? If the person is not reading next to you, you have permission to nudge them. Okay? All right. Count of three. Ready? One, two, three. So Christ has now become a high priest over all. He has entered the great, perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hand and not part of this created world. Once for all time, he took blood into that most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took his own blood, and with it, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ritual defiance. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from deeds that lead to death so that we can worship the living God for the power of the eternal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people so that all who are invited can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised. For Christ died to set them free from penalty of sins that had committed under the first covenant. This is God's word. You may be seated. This makes absolutely no sense to you. I know. It's my job to kind of explain it. In the Old Testament, what they did as a movement of God's people from slavery, they had to establish a way to worship God. And God gave specific instructions to his leaders on how to go about doing this. He gave them specific instructions on how to construct this tent and this place where God's people would come to worship and to offer sacrifice. It was a sacrificial system. They had to kill animals in order to um, have an atonement for their sins. It was in that system that Christ comes into. But you have to understand that what happened is the way they constructed it, they put this tabernacle right in the center of where they were traveling and around them all the people were, which is symbolic of Christ being at the center of your lives. There is a picture I want you to see of this tabernacle and how it was that they set it up. It's going to be on the screen. This is what this looked like. They set up this you know, partition around it and that place here that's covered, that's what we call the Holy of Holies. It is there that the presence of God dwelt. It is there that the high priest would go in there once a year to offer sacrifice. As you can see, the priests are there, and the sacrifices are being made at the table, and they did all this, and they had the, the showbread table, but only into the Holy of Holies can one person go. And the only person that can go was the high priest. He was selected, he was purified, he was dressed in a particular way, 
and he was supposed to bring the blood of these animals and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which the mercy seat was indicative of God's presence. It was made of gold. It had angel wings that touched together. No one was allowed to see it except the priests. In fact, the way they did this and they constructed it, they had this partition that separated everybody from that holy of holies. It was a curtain that was 60 uh, feet high, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. And they hung it in such a way that no one else can have access to the presence of God except the high priest. Now, the high priest was flawed because he was human. So he was also with sin. And he would have to offer sacrifice for his own sin before he offered sacrifice for God's people. That was a trick to that. Because if the high priest wasn't right, chances are that when he entered the Holy of Holies, he wasn't going to come out. So much so that when he went in there, they tied a rope on his ankle. So just in case he dropped... They wouldn't go in to get him. They would drag him out. <laughs> it's not a good way to go, is it? But think about that for a moment. Think about the fact that the only person that had access to God was another person. I told you earlier about my own experience, about me having to go to someone who would give me some kind of recipe for me to get better and the recipe wasn't working because I got worse. Jesus himself, based on the scripture that we just read, he becomes the greatest priest that ever lived because he begins to do something as this happens. The Bible says that when at the cross, when it was finished, that that veil, that curtain, that partition that once kept man from entering the Holy of Holies, what kept man from being in God's presence was that partition. The Bible says that when he said it was finished, the earth went dark during the day. And that veil, that curtain, that partition was torn. And it was torn from top down. Now, you're not listening to that. You're not getting it. It's 60 feet high. I know if I tear a piece of paper from top down, God tore that veil, got rid of that partition to let us know that all of us now, because of Christ, we don't have to go to anybody else. We can go straight to God. A lot of people say, Pastor, pray for me. I say, you know how to pray, you pray. What makes you think God's going to hear my prayer? I, they assume because of the title, you know, I'm that high priest. I got to put a, a rope on my ankle, too, when I go in the presence of God. I got to be right. So it's important for us to understand that this was established so that you and I could have access. So the great thing for us to remember is no longer do we have to go to anyone. We can go straight to God in the name of Jesus as we're led by the Holy Spirit. It says here, and I want to give you the definition of a priest. And I got to put my glasses on because I'm old, okay? Don't, don't. It's all good, right? Definition, it says, 
an authorized minister of God who on behalf of a community officiates at the altar and in other rites acting as a mediator between God and man. That word mediator is what I want you to hold on to. There is someone that mediates your problem. And your problem is sin. That's our problem. So you came to church to hear today, right? And I want to tell you, I know what a mess I am. I don't need to be reminded every single day. I know what a mess I am. I know how wretched I can be. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I fall short to the glory of God, but I'm a saved sinner. And because I'm a saved sinner, there's the power of the Holy Ghost within me. There is a word that reminds me of how I should be acting. I don't need to be judged by you. The gospel judges me. If you're in it regularly, it will do something to you. I tell the men all the time, the word of God will wreck you before it fixes you. And if you ain't being wrecked lately, that means you ain't in God's word. I told the men last night, I said, there's too much of you still alive. You got to die. And they were like, what do you mean I got to die? You got to die to self. There's too much of you still alive. It's the reason why you can't walk right. You can't do the right thing. There's too much of you still alive. And because there's too much of you still alive, your flesh still wants to involve itself in pleasure. And as you involve yourself in pleasure, you're going to hurt the heart of God. I want you to go back to that definition really quick. It's still there. An authorized minister of God. I want you to know that Jesus himself was selected by God to be this priest. When you go on, it says, on behalf of a community, a community of disenfranchised and marginalized people, people who are judged by society, me first. So there is a community that now he officiates at the altar, acting as a mediator between me and God. And what I love about it is that this mediator not only mediates, but he intercedes on my behalf. So when there's an accusatory finger being pointed at me saying, you're supposed to be a Christian, God hears the word of Jesus that says, we're not done with him yet. We're not done with him yet. Because I don't know about you, but you get accused all the time. I think some people have a poster of me throwing darts. Somebody get a picture of you, Pastor. <laughs> so they can throw dogs at it. You know what I mean? But, but, but listen, here's what I do know, right? No weapon forged against me shall prosper. And I am of the Abrahamic, you know, descendant. And I believe what Abraham said. Those who bless me shall be blessed. And those that curse me shall be cursed. I truly believe in that. And I hold on to it because that's what keeps me. That's what reminds me that in the midst of adversity and opposition, there is a mediator that I have, but there's also a Holy Spirit that says, you need to be gentle, you need to be kind, you need, you need to have self-control. And it's in those moments when this flesh wants to rise up and act out that the Holy Spirit reminds me, you're not being gentle. You're not smiling, Pastor. People tell me that all the time. I haven't smiled in 50 years. What's going on? (laughs) Now that, you know, I'm able to smile every now and then, every now and then, I do that. That, That's about as much as you're going to get. But let's go through this word so that we see this. The duties of the priest at that time were service in the sanctuary, teaching the law and prayer. 
Jesus teaches us about service. How does he do that? He reminds us that he's come to serve, not to be served. And people in this room know about service. Some of us have H&I commitments. We're grateful for that because we're able to go into places that people need to hear the word, need to hear our strength, our hope, our faith. So service is something that we are accustomed to. What we have to do with service is be conscious of your motives. You have to be mindful of why you do what you do. Some of us still have idols of approval. Some of us are still people pleasers. Some of us are so void and empty of ourselves and integrity that we have to get uh, people to, to approve of us. So we do the most obnoxious things to get attention. We, we'll, we'll, we'll jump off a roof just to say, hey, I can fly. We have to be mindful of the things that we do and why we do them. Jesus came to serve simply because that's what he was supposed to do. And when you serve, you don't serve it so that you can get a data boy from man. Your reward comes from God. We do it for the glory of God. The Bible is clear to tell us, don't let you know, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just do it. Just do it for the glory of God. Whatever it is you're going to do, do it for the glory of God. Sometimes you run into people and give you a whole list of what they did. Right? I did this, I did that, I did that. And you know what I do? Great job. That's your reward. Great job from Pastor Gus. Your reward is from heaven. So that's what we want to be able to do. Amen? The next thing is teaching. The Bible says that we're supposed to, as believers, if you're a believer in this room, we're supposed to go to the four corners of the earth and do what? Teach what you have. Well, if you ain't learning, don't teach nobody. If you ain't learning, don't teach nobody. Because you're teaching them the gospel. You ain't teaching them about what you think. Had a conversation about opinions. Opinions are a dime a dozen. Don't give me your opinion. Give me the word. Uh, you know, I'm not here to be impressed by eloquent speech. I'm here to get into the word. So it goes on to say that not only teaching but prayer. Christ always interceding for us through prayer. There was a moment in John chapter 17 where he began to pray and he says, God, I don't want you to take them out of this world. I want you to make them one as you and I are one. So a lot of us say, man, I got saved. I'm ready to go to heaven. No, you're not. You got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You got to show yourself that the very God you said yes to now lives within you. And that's where the problem is, isn't it? The problem doesn't lie with the information. It lies with the application. And I'll tell you why. I'll go back to what I said earlier. There's too much of you still alive. So you hear the gospel, but it doesn't convert you because there's too much. You, you begin to wrestle. Some of you have a couple of degrees, and you try to intellectualize it. And this is not by mental assent. This is by faith. Faith in the one who now mediates for us. The one who is the highest of highest priests. The one who went into the place that nobody else can go into and didn't offer blood of goats. He offered his own blood. The ultimate sacrifice. And not only that, guys, but that sacrificial system that I told you, they did it every year. Every single year they did it. There's a time still to this day. There is a time allotted in this particular faith in which they're still sacrificing animals. We live in the 21st century. And animals are still being sacrificed. You don't believe me? You go Passover, wind up on Eastern Parkway, 
770 Eastern Parkway, and you're going to go over there, and they're going to have these Mack trucks, 18-wheelers, with chickens in cages. Everybody picks their chicken. They go to the kitchen that they only use once a year. They get this knife that they sharpen because all you have to do is one sweep and let the blood drain. They're still making sacrifices. Aren't we glad that the Lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ, became the ultimate and final sacrifice for us? That is amazing. Think about that. Because I don't know about you, I may have to kill a lot of animals for my sin. Like, like every single year, man. I feel bad for that lamb. I say, how you doing? I love you. Come here. Right? But remember that the lamb had to be without spot, without wrinkle. That firstborn thing was separated and cared for and pampered and prepared because my sin was going to be transferred onto that lamb in that temple sacrificial process. Today, my sin has been taken on by Christ. Amen. All my sin, past, present, and future. A lot of people are saying, oh, man, that's great. That means I can sin tomorrow. Listen to me. God's grace is not liberty for you to keep on sinning. People say, oh, yeah, but grace doesn't run out. Yeah, but the consequences catch up to you. Let's be mindful of that. Let's be mindful of the fact that, yeah, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is abundance, and he continues to pour out to you. But there's no reason for you to know that truth and still continue to act out in a way that hurt the heart of God. You have a priest that you can go to, high priest. You can call on Jesus. There's no moments where you feel weak because here's what I know. When you are weak, his strength is made perfect in your life. People say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm feeling alone. You're never alone. People say, you know, I don't know if I can take it anymore. Yes, you can. God does not give you what you cannot bear. He will give you the strength to be able to with, you know, like withstand that moment where you feel like it. You lost a loved one. God will give you the strength. You know, you, you don't have this job. You're not living. Your, God will give you the strength. You got two days clean, three days clean. God will give you the strength. Just keep coming back. Keep showing up. God has a way of lifting that obsession. God has a way of lifting that moment in your life where you get it. I call them the aha moments, that moment where it just clicks inside you, and you're just tired of being tired. And you find a place to rest at the feet of the cross. And you feel that gentle touch that reminds you, you are my son. You are my daughter. Amen? It says in the word as well that Christ as priest satisfies God's justice. That's found in Romans. He pacifies God's wrath, justifies the sinner, and sanctifies the believer. Let me go back to pacify God's wrath. At the cross, when Jesus died, it said the earth went dark. His words were, it is finished. It was at that moment, listen to me, it was at that moment that he took upon the sin of the world. How many people in the world? Anybody knows? It's about 8.5 billion right now, and who knows who's being born right now, okay? But listen to me. 8.5 billion people. He took on all the sin 
Anybody ever played Johnny on the Pony growing up? A couple of people in here. Praise God. I, I love you guys. Just, you should sit in the front. That's all. Right? In Johnny and the Pony, you have one person on the wall, normally the weakest person. You put them on the wall. And then you had everybody, and they bent over, and then you would run and jump. And the purpose you would try to do is try to hit the weakest person so you can knock them down. Now, the weakest person could not hold up one person. Imagine that Jesus took on the sins of 8 billion people. It was at that moment that the wrath of God came upon him. Because that's what sin does. You don't understand that. People say, oh, man, you know, I don't understand this whole God is, you know, God is angry at me. No, God is not angry. God loves you. God doesn't sit up there with lightning bolts looking to strike you. The problem is that you don't read the small print. And the small print says, if you do it this way, you'll be blessed. If you do it this way, you'll be cursed. God wrote it down already, and people want to struggle with it. But if you read it, it specifically says to choose this day who you will serve. Because you can't serve two masters. Listen to me. It's either Jesus or your sin. You can't have both. You said, oh, I got Jesus. He'll forgive my sin. I said earlier, he will forgive your sins if you repent. Right. You're not listening to that. Not say you're sorry. I don't know about you. I ran out of sorries. My wife don't like sorry. She gets biblical on me. <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> so. Repent means turning around. It just means turning away from that and going another way. He says, and and listen, listen, I know. The temptation of that is strong. The temptation of that is strong because it gives you instant pleasure. Whatever it is, instantly. We're visual, we're tactile, we want to touch it, we want to see it, we want to feel it, we want to taste it. It gives us instant gratification, and therefore, God is taking too long to satisfy my needs. But there are consequences to this, isn't it? There's a disconnection that happens between you and God. You stop praying, you stop coming to church, you stop calling the people that you normally call. Listen, I know all about that. I tell my guys all the time, you're off the grid. Like, well, you know, you're off the grid. It's a military turn because you're not beeping. You're no longer calling me. Not only that, but normally you would come to church and give me a hug. Now you're over there waving at me. You know why? Because sin smells a particular way. It walks a particular way. It acts a particular way. So now it clashes with what I'm trying to help you to do. So now before you used to hug me, now you, hey, pastor, I'll see you later. And you just take it off. You don't call. And I always tell them, I tell them the same thing over and over again. You're chasing a God that will disappoint you. You're chasing something that's going to disappoint you. You're embracing something. You're laying with something that will disappoint you. Because there's only one true God. And he will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He will never disappoint you. Because we grew up in a, in a time where we have to touch and feel things, we don't necessarily, you know, feel God right away. So, like, we're hesitant to approach him. And I got to tell you something. Please keep walking towards him. 
Stay on that path that's been set for you. You will experience him. You will feel him. And, and what I love about it is that it satisfies God's justice. It sanctifies a believer. First Corinthians talks about that. It says there's a sanctification that happens because of this priest, this great priest, this high priest, because Christ entered that place. No longer do we have to sacrifice animals. No longer do you and I have to wait in line for someone else. We can go straight to God. And he is attentive to everything. Listen, he knows everything you need. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought before you think it. Woo! I wish I could flash your thoughts on the screen. Every thought before you've been thinking, every act you've ever committed and will commit, he knows it already. He is just hoping, he is just hoping that you will choose him rather than that. He is just hoping. Man, he sends angels to minister to us, to empower us. He sends his Holy Spirit to live within us. He sends his word to remind us, oh, glory be to God. Look what it says in Hebrews. Let's bring up that scripture in Hebrews that I just read. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that great, perfect sanctuary in heaven. Does everybody see that? I gave you the background, right? Before there was this man that entered in and offered sacrifice, what the word is telling us now, that we no longer have a high priest on earth. We have a high priest in heaven. We have a high priest in heaven. Over all things, enter that great and perfect sanctuary heaven that made by human hands. That in itself, listen, we create things with our hands and they are limited. The sanctuary in heaven, according to the word of God, it talks about this beautiful streets paved with gold. It talks about no more pain, no more suffering. It talks about this glorified body. Man, I can't wait for my glorified body. I want my six-pack back. Yes? I'm not getting it? What are you doing? I don't, the world says I am. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's, it's just this beautiful thing. You know why? Because there's something better than this. A more better priest. If the first one was okay, if that system was okay, guess what? We'd still be doing it. But there was flaws with that system. So God had to establish a new system. This is why you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I'll say that again. You must be born again. What does that look like? The old ways, behold the new. The old ways, behold the new. You know the evidence of you living for Christ? So you're different. What you used to do before, you don't do now. He says, yeah, but, you know, we're flawed human beings, you know. Yeah, I know that. And please don't tell me that you're not perfect. I know. All I got to do is look at you. <laughs> not perfect. You got an eye over here. You got an ear over here. You know, it's just none of us. So every time you come to me, we're not perfect. What are you doing? Does anybody know? You're justifying. You're rationalizing and explaining your sin. By falling on that, you take out your get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm not perfect here. Yeah, we know that. There's only one that's perfect. And he entered that place once and for all so that we can go to him. And because of him, he is our mediator. He is our intercessor. So the reason for this season, as you go forward in your shopping, in your preparation, just know, do not leave Jesus out of that equation. 
We would not have a season if it was not for Jesus. We would not have an opportunity for change if it were not for Jesus. I don't know, outside of Jesus, I tried changing some things and it was impossible. No matter what self-help book I read, it just didn't help. And I tell you why it didn't help, because I liked what I was doing. No amens in this room. The reason you're still doing what you're doing is because you like doing it. And change means that we get away from those things that we used to like and begin to walk towards the one we love. Because loving Christ looks a particular way. It does. And again, I'm on that journey with you, man. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Actually, enough of the people around me, and they'll tell you. We're all flawed. But I look at the scriptures, man, and I see how great we can be. The power that's available to us. The potential that's in each and every one of us. Because of this single act by Jesus Christ, in which at the cross he says that it's finished, the veil was torn, and now I can just go in. I can throw myself at the feet of the cross and talk to my Father in the name of Jesus. You see, when you pray, use the name of Jesus. It gives you access. It gives you access right away. You go to the Father, and he says, you said, Jesus? Okay, I'm listening to you. Tell me what's up. And by the way, prayer is what? It's a conversation. So can you learn how to be quiet in prayer too? So God can speak to you? Some of us go in with a grocery list, especially during Christmas. Oh, I need a new phone, God. And God, you know, I got to communicate with people, so I need a new phone. That computer of mine is not working, God. Can you give me a new computer? And God, can you fix my husband because he's really crazy? And the children are all over the place. And Lord, you know the five numbers I need for the lotto, God, can you get them for me? And we go through this whole list. And God is like, when are they going to be quiet so I can speak to them? When are they going to let me pour something in them so that that list disappears and all they want is me? All they want is me. And I got to tell you that at the end of the day, Christ's priesthood is unchangeable. He remains that priest for us. He remains that person that now is in this place because it's perfect and it's final. You know, we don't have to do it year after year after year. Because he is this priest, we now have a mediator that we can go to. A one that has the attention of God. A one who is sinless, and because he is sinless, we don't have to worry about him dropping. So I want to encourage you that as you continue to move forward, that the intercession of Christ in our lives is a real thing. That he is praying for you. That he's speaking to the Father on your behalf. And whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're experiencing, listen to me. God knows. And he's not done. Sometimes we have to step back away from this picture and be able to see what God is trying to do in the midst of everything. And it's discouraging sometimes because it doesn't happen quick enough. But I want you to know that when God is finished, it's perfect. You see that in Genesis. When it was done, it said, it's good. And I want to hear that upon that day. Well done, my good 
and faithful servant, you may enter. Woo! Woo! Yeah, I really want that. So I close with this as the team comes up. There is a place that Jesus has gone to prepare. And in that place, he says, there is room for all of us. For all of us. He told his disciples as he was living, I'm going to a place to prepare a place for you so that where I am going, you can also be. His disciples, of course, were curious. We don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. And he said these words. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one will see the Father unless through me. And there may be some of you in this room today that don't know Christ. And when I say know Christ, it's not a matter of, of you knowing him fully, but knowing about Christ. What I just explained to you is that he took your sin. And even if today you're in this room and you have not made confession of faith, just know that his love is for you too. It's not just for those who say yes to Christ. It's for those who don't know Christ. It's an invitation to become Christ-like and to enter into a relationship that will transform your life. I don't know about you, but I was tired. That, that hamster wheel doesn't lead anywhere. I tried everything. Nothing worked. And you know why nothing worked? Because God did something amazing for each and every one of us. At birth, he snatched something from you. Took it out from the deepest part of your soul. And the only way to get it back is to run to God. That void that you feel, God drew that out of you. So that no matter where you go and what you try to do and how you try to fill it, you will never be satisfied. We talk about hitting rock bottom here. We talk about having this spiritual void here. Because what I just shared with you is truth. No matter where you go, no matter what you try to do, no matter what you reach for and accumulate, it will never satisfy that God-made void in you. Only God can fill that. And when he does, when you come to Christ and say yes to him, he puts that back in you and something just straightens up. There's an alignment that happens. There is a clicking that takes place. There is a peace that comes within you. You feel lighter. Because what you were looking for out there, you can only find in Christ. So if you're in this room and you've been feeling that void, I got to tell you, it doesn't stop until you come to Christ. 
I'm not a used car salesman. I'm a pastor. And what I'm giving you is about eternity. What we offer you here is about changing your life so that you can redeem and take that back which the enemy has stolen from you. And you cannot do that in your own strength. You need the power of God. So when you come to Christ, he puts in you that. So now you can begin to be that person God wants you to be. Whatever they used to call you back there, they won't call you anymore. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ in this room, do not leave this room without saying yes to Christ. Because it doesn't get better. Circumstances of life and the situation will continue to squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you until you cry out to God. So if then you're in this room and you don't know Christ, you haven't said yes to Christ, just by raising your hand, you can accept Christ today and we'll be able to pray with you, pray for you, and pray you through these moments, encourage you, plug you in to a Bible study and just help you to begin to understand that there is a love that you can't find anywhere else. There is a peace that you can't find anywhere else. There is a power that you cannot find anywhere else until you come to Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be exalted. And Lord, so I thank you. Thank you for a gathering of friends, Lord, in which we get a chance to sit at your feet, hear your word, be encouraged by your spirit, and be reminded of the reason for this season. There is a priest that has entered the sanctuary not made by hands, has offered a sacrifice of no animal done once and for all. And as John said when he saw Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. And Lord, so I am grateful for Jesus. And in that gratitude, Lord, I pray that you would help me live for Jesus. Lord, have your way with every person in this room. Remind them of what you do with a life that surrenders and yields to you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin upon the cross.